0: This is IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. I'm your host, Lee Llewellyn.
1: Indiana Municipal Power Agency is a not-for-profit power provider that serves the electric needs of 61 communities across Indiana and Ohio. IMPA supplies its towns and cities with low-cost, reliable, and environmentally responsible wholesale power, providing some of the Midwest's best electric rates. As a not-for-profit agency committed to supporting its members, IMPA also provides various services beyond power supply, including economic development opportunities. IMPA's Economic Development Rider is a valuable tool for IMPA member communities to encourage the growth and success of existing companies and their service territory and to attract new businesses to their area. The ED Rider's discount combined with low cost rates makes IMPA's public power communities some of the best for economic growth. For more information about the ED Rider or any economic development opportunities offered by IMPA, Please contact Victoria Rossfrost at victoriar at impa.com. IMPA is proud to sponsor this podcast from
0: IEDA. In 2016, the Indiana Housing and Community Development Authority, IHCDA, in conjunction with Patronicity, established the Creating Places program, a place based crowd granting activity. The goal of the program is is to assist. Indiana communities in funding place-based projects that highlight and improve upon a community's identity and strengths. Joining me on this podcast are Megan Heber, Placemaking and Environmental Review Manager with the Indiana Housing and Community Development Authority, Bridget Anderson, Vice President with Patronicity, and Marcy King, CEO of the Owen County Chamber of Commerce and Economic Development Corporation, and an IEDA member. So I want to thank you all for joining me today to talk about the Creating Places program. So I want to start by introducing the partners in this program, the Indiana Housing and Community Development Authority and Patronicity. So Megan, I'm going to start with you. uh, Give the listeners a brief overview of IHCDA, the Indiana Housing and Community Development Authority.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having us on, Lee. And Um, Great to chat about our program. So just as IHCDA's name sort of is self-explanatory, we're the state agency on housing and community development. We fall within the lieutenant governor's family business. So that includes OCRA, Department of Ag, and a few others. And as an agency, we really focus on providing housing opportunities, promoting self-sufficiency and strengthening communities. And we do that through a variety of programs. So this ranges from allocating federal grant dollars from uh, HUD and other federal agencies um, just to build attainable housing um, across the state. We help help oversee rental and energy assistance programs. We even um, provide down payment assistance for first time home buyers. And we bolster the state's continuum of care for unhoused individuals and families. Um, And then we have this small sliver, aside from all of the the great housing programming that we provide, um, which is really dedicated to improving Hoosier quality of life and community development. And that's really where I come in with the Creating Places program, which I know we'll get to here in a little
1: bit.
0: Good. That's very good. Thank you very much for that. So, Bridget Anderson, I'm guessing that patronicity is probably not known to a lot of our members and our listeners. So explain what you do.
3: Yeah, so Patronicity was started in 2013 and our co-founders really saw the opportunity for individuals to be part of community development as key stakeholders and physically buy into community development projects. So we might have been based in Detroit, but because of the partnership with the Indiana Housing Community Development Authority, we've created this innovative crowd granting program uh, called Creating Places. And so our mission and vision is that individuals should be able to build vibrancy in their communities. And that starts with asking your neighbors in front. So our crowdfunding platform is really designed to engage and empower individuals to be part of the change in their communities.
0: Okay, thanks. So now let's get into this notion of the the Creating Places program. And let's talk about how IHCDA and Patronicity have combined sort of your unique assets of both of the organizations to create the Creating Places Program. So Megan, I want you to start by explaining the basics of the Creating Places Program.
2: As Bridget already mentioned, Patronicity hosts a crowdfunding website. And where IHCDA comes into that is we really build um, the, legit le- the legitimacy of the program into, into the crowdfunding model by um, providing a match grant. So... Basically, um, it's a, it, it seems like it's kind of complicated, but it's actually really simple. So 501C3 or C4 organizations or local units of government across the state will hop on the Patronicity website. They'll build a crowdfunding campaign with the aim of activating space in their community for a local community project. That could be anything from a mural to a public gathering space with seating, um, a trail system, a park, a garden really just taking any space in your community that's not really being utilized or is vacant or is run down and you want to activate that and make it like bridget said something really vibrant that the community can enjoy so build a crowdfunding campaign for that project with a goal of raising between five and fifty thousand dollars that'll be half of your total budget for the project because if you're successful in raising those funds then IHCDA will provide a dollar for dollar match. So in um, over 30 or 60 days or somewhere in between, you can, you can do 45 days or so um, your community will raise money um, to support that project and to see it successful in your community. And if you meet that goal, then IHCDA will match it. So if a project has the goal of raising $20,000, then, and they hit $20,000 in 30 days, then IHCDA will provide $20,000 match. And oftentimes we see communities raise more than that. They'll aim to, to, to raise 20,000 and they'll raise 50,000. And IHCDA, IHCDA will still provide that $20,000 match, but then you're able to increase the scope of your project um, and maybe even do more than you imagined. And what's so cool about this is that communities Really see their dollars doubled, and so they're really encouraged and excited to put in, you know, twenty dollars towards a, a project when they know that that automatically becomes forty dollars. Um, and so we we want to come alongside communities and be able to invest in the projects that communities really want to see.
0: Okay, thanks. So, so Bridget, I'm guessing that when people hear about crowd. Well, we've heard about crowdfunding, and, but you call this grant funding or crowd granting. But but I would guess that for a number of communities that they would think they would be a little intimidated by that concept of doing something because I'm guessing many haven't done that. So you have a, a program that you help a community really establish to do this. So explain what Patronicity does to help the community with that part of the process.
3: Yeah, that's right, Lee. I think it can be intimidating um, because people feel like crowdfunding or this new term crowd granting is is, you know, beyond their scope or interest. But we always say the crowd comes before the funding and thus the crowd comes before the granting. And so the whole concept is basically democratizing the granting process. Um, communities will um, actually complete the application Uh, for the grant by building the page. So it expedites the granting process in that lens. Specifically, in addition to our platform, we are your project coaches. So our job at Patronicity is to empower those um, individuals in communities and nonprofits to have the skills they need to fundraise. So what that looks like is we have a strategy guide that breaks down how to ask for money in very simple uh, terms. We also have a resources site that basically shares blogs and guides and helpful tips and tricks to make sure you're successful. We always say our your success is our success. If you fail to raise money, we fail uh, to get paid for our services to some extent. And so we know that um, lying the future of, of granting, and specifically community development investment, has to be rooted in people and place. And so, if, by engaging individuals to take part in the fundraising effort, we know that these spaces are more likely to be used, sustained, um, and our job is really to provide that technical assistance so individuals can make that change. And do something quickly, because we know when you create that momentum, you can continue to build on, on the change that you'd like to see in your community. So we, we've we got your back in the whole process. You don't have to go it alone. And at this juncture, Creating Places has been around for over six years. So we have almost 200 projects from around the state. And um, Patronicity as a whole, we have almost 15,000 projects around the country So we really bring some additional expertise to the table that uh, provides that guidance. And so we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We just have have to find something that works specifically for your community. And so uh, we do that in a very personal one-on-one coaching kind of environment.
0: I know from looking at some of your materials that you, I mean, that you really have broken the process down into some very finite and manageable steps. So I think Probably for someone who is thinking about this, the concept may seem intimidating, but I really do, when I looked at your materials, it looked as though, again, you have really boiled the process down to some very tangible, manageable steps that helps to a community walk through that.
3: Yeah, that's right. We always want to start um, really simply identify a team who are the folks that you can work with, then you start to identify your funders and we have a very robust list of ideas and suggestions about the different groups um, that would be perfect uh, for targeting your fundraising. And then, you know, our goal is to make sure your your um, goal is achievable. So if you have a project that's very expensive, but you have a very small community, we might say, hey, maybe you aim for a little uh, smaller goal amount that feels more manageable. So we're constantly working um, with communities and nonprofits to identify their needs, um, and really scale our support depending on their needs. So if a community has had a lot of experiencing of fundraising maybe our technical assistance is just in using the platform if somebody has never done fundraising before then we really use our strategy guides and some of those helpful tips and tricks to make sure that they feel successful and then when the campaigns are live we're sharing those ideas as well Uh, we're also finding best practices from other projects and, and and uh, sharing those uh, as an opportunity for people to continue to improve on their existing systems or, or their ideas about who to re- reach out to in their community. So we've, we've got a, a big list of things uh, and resources uh, to make it less intimidating and more tangible.
0: Okay, good. So we've been talking a little bit in the abstract, and I think it always helps for people to understand how this gets applied. So Marcy King, the CEO of the Owen County Chamber of Commerce and Economic Development Corporation, you know, you use this program to help you launch the Heart of Owen County project. So Marcy, explain what that's all about.
4: Absolutely. So our project was in a response to a particular decision by our county officials. Uh, In Owen County, we have a a rather large LGBTQ population, and uh, each year they would hold their festival on our courthouse lawn. And unfortunately, in a decision to try to eliminate that festival, our county officials decided to come up with an ordinance that banned any festival on our courthouse lawn because it was eliminating the public restrooms from being utilized. So as economic development, we started looking to see how this was affecting our community. And it saddened me because there was a great divide that was happening. And um, again, just trying to figure out how we were going to be able to pull people together. So this project came about as a response to that. So our decision was to focus on, well, let's focus on getting some public restrooms and finding a space in our historic downtown or in the heart of our community so that we can go ahead and continue with these festivals. It was at that time that a colleague of mine introduced me to Bridget. And by by that time, we had already done some background work. We had found a, a spot here in town that could be utilized for the public restroom. We had talked to contractors. We knew, you know, some ballpark figures on how much that was going to cost. But I'd also like to just bring up that at this point, it was also 2020, So a lot of people just needed to know that, are we ever gonna get back and have a festival? Uh, Nobody knew what the next steps were as far as community development. And so this was a project that needed to happen at this exact moment. So I reached out to Bridget. She was able to uh, introduce me to the entire Patronicity process. And I just wanna say right here, the process of Patronicity is set up for communities to get a win. And that is exactly what Owen County needed. We needed a win to go ahead and to have a a new community development project in town. And we needed a win to bring some unity back together to our uh, community. And that's what we did. So yes, it is a little risky sometimes thinking about you're going to start this new project. And especially in 2020, I was wondering, can we actually raise the funds? But that's where Bridget and her team really came beside us. They gave us some specific vocabulary on how to set up the site. Uh, If I had any questions, she was there to lead me through it. And also encouraging me to think outside the box of different ways that we could continue to pull in different partners and collaborate as we raise these funds. So we started doing that. We put the page together. Uh, The chamber created a shop local campaign. So on Father's Day, anybody who shopped at the local businesses that were chamber members, those chamber businesses actually gave a portion of their profits that day towards the restroom facility project, which ended up, I'll just say, being the highest grossing weekend uh, in 2020 for those local businesses. Uh, We also expanded the project as we started thinking about it to include a mural so we could have some art project there with it. We uh, brought in a local mural artist. We contacted students from the school to come in and participate in painting that. And then again, just thinking through how we were gonna sustain this project, we uh, figured out that we needed to have some people maintain it. And so we had an organization that was looking to provide some employment for intellectual and development adults with disabilities. And so they actually continue to come in and maintain our public restroom facilities for us. So we just continued to find more and more ways to bring people in on this project. So it finally came down to the day that we were going to go ahead and launch the project. And on June 12th, we launched it. And 20 days later our County was able to raise the $25,000 needed, and we were fully funded in 20 days. So my big thing was $20,000 in 20 days in 2020. So I thought that was pretty amazing.
0: <laughs> that is great that is good. So, you know, let's stop for a minute and and we were talking before we started recording this a little bit about, you know, why why are these placemaking projects? Why have they become so important to communities? And and I think probably a lot of our listeners probably understand but but it is something that has become such a driver of economic development and community prosperity. And, and the notion of placemaking, you know, at one time was, was sort of an arcane and kind of an obscure concept. And now it's become so central. So explain, you know, just why, uh, among the three of you, this, this notion of placemaking, why it has become such a critical part of what you all are doing. You know, let me start, go back to you, Marcy, and why this is so critical from Chamber and Economic Development. But then I do want to go back to to Bridget and and Megan and just how your organizations, you know, came to that as well. So Marcy.
2: Sure.
4: So the project that we had specifically was uh, placed in a very visual place, again, within the heart of our community. So this was something that people would drive by and see daily that people were working on. And Again, in 2020, people were on their social media probably more than ever. And they kept seeing conversations about this and seeing different members and different partners within the community coming and working on this project together. And I would say one of the greatest results that we saw from it is that we actually saw some new leadership come up as well, because people wanted to be a part of it. They saw this exciting thing happening, and they saw that whether they could donate $20 or they could donate $200, they could be part of what was going to be changing their community.
0: So, Megan, I mean, obviously, community development is part of the name, but uh, but housing. How does a uh, housing and community development authority, though, end up in this in? this kind of place making space?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I sort of just ruminating on it. And I, I really think it comes down to we want Hoosiers to love where they live. You know, that's housing is not just about, you know, the the door that you step into and the home that you occupy. It's about, you know, where you are when you step out your front door and how you can be connected to your neighbors and you know i think placemaking is really at the heart of that in in our mission it says that we want to strengthen communities and i think you can't strengthening communities is not just a, a one facet you know we got to provide housing for folks it's it's really about um you know providing places for people to gather and and um, bridge divides, um, you know, political socioeconomic d- divides and just provide opportunities for people to come together. And, and I, I really think that that's why we started this program and have been so successful is, you know, people, people so desire to, to meet their neighbors and to be in community. And, you know, I think that's, especially coming out of the pandemic, People just had such a desire. We've seen such an increase in demand for this program. And I think that really shows how valuable this is to Hoosier communities.
0: And I think, Bridget, you know, you've, I mean, I think so often, you know, when I'm visiting communities and I'm talking to to local stakeholders, you know, there there are huge wish lists of things, Well, wow, we wish we could get to, and it always comes back to money oh, well, we don't have the money to do this. We don't have the money to do that. And it seems to me that the way you talk about the process and the way Marcy talked about the way it happened in Owen County, does not that doesn't have to be the kind of barrier that people think it is.
3: That's right. We know that the local investment can lead to bigger uh, investment um, from other uh, bigger, larger investors. Right. Um, One of the things we talk about is the typical community economic development approach of trying to find a big manufacturing company to come to your town means you're going to spend a lot of money and you might not have anything to show. Maybe that manufacturing company chooses another location, but people do have a choice in where they live. And if you focus on making the places where people live better, right, better access uh, to quality schools, like Megan and Marcy were mentioning, having local assets like parks and trails, um, then it's easier to draw in the talent that would be enticing for companies, for businesses. And so we believe our approach, the crowd granting model and the partnership with IHCDA just flips economic development on its head and starts to create that groundswell, right? A lot of Hoosier communities say nothing changes here. This place looks the same. But if you dedicate your time to making small incremental changes and getting, you know, we always talk, our team always talks, pilot is process. If you try something out and it fails, you keep moving on, right? Which is why it's important for folks to have realistic and small tangible goals. Like Marcy said, getting those early wins really creates a domino effect. And and we have seen um, communities come back to our grant program year after year because they've seen the opportunities in their communities. They've developed an asset and they find another challenging space that they can build on. So it becomes much more tangible and sustainable long term since you're not relying on large dollar amounts, and you're sharing the investment across your community, which I think is, again, just changing the perceptions that different people have about where they live. I know I am a lifelong Hoosier who has always said, oh, things always stay the same. But if you can really focus on the the areas that need attention and uh, get the right players involved, which we can help you identify, then it, it can be a real game changer. Um, and we've seen that and we've even heard really sweet stories where people, you know now see themselves in their communities in ways they had never seen themselves um and that's belonging and connection that Megan was talking about, but rooted in very practical ways. we need money's money to fix this thing. can we drum up the the money we need? and as, as Hoosiers, we can often be intimidated to ask for the things we need, but we have data that says that people are more flattered by the idea that they can uh, donate or participate, and that people care about their participation. So we're we're really proud of the program, and, and can't wait to see uh, who else can take advantage of it.
0: And when that's that's where we go next, but I think you know one of the things that I think is really, really lovely about this program is that it does provide an opportunity for local people to contribute and and not this isn't doesn't require that you're giving hundreds of dollars to make a difference it is really something that allows people to contribute at a at a level that is meaningful to them but then to see some tangible results as as lots of people perhaps give modest amounts and it accumulates to something that that has a a a noticeable impact in the community and i think that's really important in terms of how people can see and feel connected to something that they see as a visual manifestation in their community did you marcy did you see that i mean i think you alluded to that that people were able to drive by and see the change and and obviously they could then feel like they were a part of something much bigger
4: Absolutely. Absolutely, it did. And in fact, even we made sure to use local contractors. So that was important as well, so that everybody saw that we were supporting our local contractors during this project. And then uh, I wanted to mention just thinking outside the box of ways for people to give. Spencer Main Street, we got down to the last... $2,000, and our Spencer Main Street said, well, we're going to have sell pork burgers for you, Marcy. So they sold pork burgers, and people, all they had to do was come buy a couple pork burgers, and you're only talking $5, but we were able to get the last $2,000 in one day selling pork burgers. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so that's great. And again, you know, this has a very local flavor, uh, I, I guess, in how this would be applied in in any community. So, so Megan, you know, for communities that are interested in participating and moving forward with this, how do they do this? How do they how do they get started?
2: Yeah, it's super easy. <laughs> uh, the first thing that you can do if you are interested in the program is reach out to me or Bridget. Uh, that's probably the fastest way. And um, you can find us at patronicity.com or IHCDA, just Google us, and or just Google the Creating Places program. That's probably a fast way to find our contact information. And you can just email us. We'll let you know how to get started. The other awesome way that you can get started as well is just go to patronicity.com slash creating places and you'll see all of our currently live campaigns there as well as be able to start your own project page and once you start the page Bridget will get a notification and she'll know boom that's someone is interested in the program, she'll reach out to you and let you know what the requirements are. There are a few small requirements that we gotta make sure some of those boxes are checked to to receive those state dollars. But your project page, like Bridget mentioned, is your application. So once you get that process started, um, once you finish your your campaign page, kind of have your budget in order and and have an idea of what you wanna do, as well as um, start thinking about some donations. You'll submit for approval to IHCDA. We get that process usually within a few days. Me and some other um, IHCDA leadership are able to uh, get that approved and then you can launch your campaign.
0: So give me an example, Uh, Bridget and Megan, you know, we've obviously talked about um, uh, what Marcy has done. But what are some examples of what other communities have done with this project, uh, just so people get an idea of perhaps the range of things that that people have applied for?
3: I always say it's hard to pick my favorite projects because it's like a, picking your favorite children. Uh, but <laughs> I love a project called Oki Alley in Whitley County in Columbia City. So they took an empty alleyway in their downtown and to honor a local historical uh, figure, Shinzu Oki, who had one of the first fermented soy factories in Indiana, uh, they transformed the alley um, by adding murals, adding seating, adding lighting, telling the story of Shinzu Oki and his soy factory and what it meant to the community. I love that project because tapping into local cultural and history is what are actually going to incentivize people to not only give because they recognize themselves and their community in this space, but finding a way to engage um in poly um, activation is particularly exciting because what can often be an eyesore or just a pass-through now becomes a destination. So I love the Oki Alley project. So if you're up in near Columbia City, make sure to check that out. Um and then one other project that I think is a really uh, good example of of asset development is the lydic bog that is St. Joe County. Um, And so it's a bog, which sounds like, oh, my goodness, why would we want to go see a bog? But if you're an environmentalist, you know the impact of of bogs. They are almost prehistoric, and they have very unique environmental benefits. And so uh, the nonprofit up there decided to build a boardwalk so the community could safely, easily access the bog and protect the environment at the same time. So we have a lot of uh, varying opportunities for people to really tap into what you need locally, uh, whether it be a bog or an alleyway. Uh, Megan, do you have any additional ones that you want to share?
2: I, I don't have any like specific ones. Uh, I could just give a couple other just fun ideas. We do allow for um, like festival or event-based activations. We have a maximum um, dollar amount to be a little bit less than the 50,000. But you know if you have a local... Th- thing that you really want to celebrate, we, (laughs) I said, I wasn't going to do a specific project, and here I am doing a specific project, but um, up in northern Indiana near Elkhart Bristol, Indiana, they have a history of corndog manufacturing, and they decided to host a corndog festival, and so, and they raised quite a bit of money for charity, and and that's, it seems like a silly thing, but the community got so excited about it, and listened to live music, and had good food, and, you know, we love to see stuff like that, so anything, like Bridget said, that celebrates local History. We love to see historic projects, you know, restoration of historic buildings. We've had projects that have, you know, moved historic buildings so that they can be preserved and saved. Mm. Um, we've had public restrooms like Marcy's project. We had a public restroom project um, in an old uh, rail car, which is really unique. Just you know, anything that celebrates the local environment, local heroes. We have tons of great memorial memorials around the state as well. Um, and then, of course, just public art. There's some incredible, incredible murals across the state now, thanks to the Creating Places program and amazing community support. And those tend to be my favorite, I think, overall.
0: So that's great. And I, I mean, I love the the range that you were able to highlight from alleys, bogs, murals, uh, corn dog festivals. Um, I mean, and so, but I like that because hopefully that gets some, some creativity going in people's minds in terms of thinking about what they could be doing in their community. So Marcy, you've been through this, um, you know, I, your peers hopefully will be listening to this, you know, what kind of advice, what kind of guidance from a practitioner standpoint would you offer in terms of, you know, just guidance or, or advice to some of your colleagues who might be contemplating doing this?
4: First of all, um, I think you need to see this opportunity is not just a single project. We have had so many other results come from us beginning this project with Patronicity. It never really was about a bathroom facility. It was about bringing unity to a community that was divided. It was about bringing hope to a community that, in a very uncertain time, needed to know that there was hope. It created motivation and empowerment within my, um, you know, the fellow citizens that I saw every single day. The festivals, every single one of them has returned back to the heart of our community. That's awesome, not only for just the social capital that was built, but also for the members and businesses that we have in the downtown area. Uh, The uh, individuals that serve the facility, we actually named an award after that, the heart of the community. So now the Chamber of Commerce gives the heart of the community award out and the individuals with disabilities was the first group to receive that award. And then finally, it has built a foundation for us to move on to a much much larger project. The Chamber of Commerce and Economic Development is currently in the process of moving across the street to where our public restrooms are uh, to a building that is owned by the same person who leases the property for the bathroom. I can tell you right now, if I would not gone through the process with patronicity and established that relationship with that landowner, I probably would not be having the project that we're having today. But because we're able to be a good steward of those funds and do that project, and that she was able to see that it was such a good idea for the community, they were on board with going forward with another project. So again, Uh, Just seeing that there are going to be so many great results come from just one decision. So I I know it could be a little risky, but I would definitely say go for it. With great risk comes great reward, right? On a more tangible uh, bit of advice, before we began our project on June 12th, we had made phone calls to as many people as we possibly could. For them to go ahead and uh, commit to funding the project. So before you begin the project, the ultimate result is to is to get that win for your community. So do everything you can ahead of time. And that really helped because we didn't start at zero on day one. Because I had those commitments already. We were already above fifteen thousand dollars. Talk about motivating your community to give more. They knew boy, this was a project that was going to happen. So secure the win by talking to people ahead of time. So that would be my advice for people.
0: You know, I wish, <laughs> I wish I could, I could talk to you guys like you know the first thing every day. Just because you know I feel so empowered and this is so uplifting. Uh, you know, this will make the rest of the day for me. So I appreciate having the opportunity to chat with the three of you. What haven't we covered that we need to to to, to better explain or to completely explain this? I think you've all done a great job, but have we left something out at this point?
4: Oh well, yeah, i've got, I've got one more thing. we We did okay. have a little fun with it. At our ribbon cutting, instead of cutting a regular ribbon, we decided to string some toilet paper across and cut it with scissors. Everybody loved that.
0: <laughs> okay. Bridget, Megan, top that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have much else to share other than just than that this really is a program that's accessible to everyone. You know, we have communities across the state that have 500 people or less who have raised dollars and seen murals and small projects come to their communities. and so my encouragement to anyone listening is, you know, no communities too small or too large. like we really have something for everyone and you know, we would love to, to have a hand in helping you uh, feel empowered and bring some some new life to a public space in in your community.
0: I appreciate this. This has been just very enjoyable. And so I appreciate you all taking time to talk about what I think is just a very, very wonderful and lovely program. So on the podcast with me today uh, we're Megan Heber, Placemaker and Environmental Review Manager with the Indiana Housing and Community Development Authority. Bridget Anderson, Vice President with Patronicity, and Marcy King, CEO of the Owen County Chamber of Commerce and Economic Development Corporation, I appreciate you all taking time to do this podcast today. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. IMPA is a proud sponsor of IEDA and its podcast series. IMPA and its public power communities are committed to helping businesses thrive. For more information, please contact Victoria Rossbross at Victoria R at impa.com.
0: You've been listening to IEDA in your ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. All content on this podcast is copyright 2023 by the Indiana Economic Development Association, which retains all rights to this content. And by the way, the theme music was composed and performed by me, Lee Llewellyn. Thanks.